Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Dear friends, we are so sorry about the ads. They are a nightmare in every way, but with your donations, we can get rid of ads someday. Beautiful, Kevin. Mm, thanks, Rob. Bach and Harnick are smiling <laughs> so your big hearts right out. now. <laughs> Friends, yes, we are back with a new plea. Much like those adorable puppets from Avenue Q, we are asking for you to give us your money. <laughs> for those of you who have headed over to Patreon to throw a little money our way, we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Your contributions are the only budget we have for this show, and it provided us a new soundboard and better studio space. So a thank you. Thank you. And as you know, nothing is more fulfilling than talking to the legends of Broadway and hearing them share their thoughts, wisdom, and talents with all of us. However, it does cost money. And if you want to help us keep the show going, please head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search for Behind the Curtain, and you can give as little as a dollar a month. And trust me, that dollar will help us more than you will ever know. Plus, for certain monetary donations, you will get to pick your favorite thing and have advanced knowledge of our future guests so you can ask the legends your own questions. Ooh. Or you can simply leave canned goods and an original cast recording of How Now Dow Jones outside our doors if you don't want to contribute on Patreon.com. Truth. So once again, please head over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com to help us out. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, hi, this is Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain and make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast Plus. You can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. Today's guest has long been one of Broadway's go-to character actors with a resume that is chock full of great roles and with today's guest inhabiting those characters, even greater performances. While he is most recognized for creating the role of Seymour in the original Little Shop of Horrors, our guest's resume not only includes the revivals of The Boys from Syracuse and Kiss Me Kate, for which she was nominated for a Tony Award, but also a stint into film directing with the beautiful No Pay Nudity, which was featured on a previous episode. If I would say stop what you're doing right now, <laughs> go to iTunes, get the movie, then come back. You are going to thank us, and we will talk more about No Pay Nudity a little bit later on. Thanks, to tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Howard Ashman, Nathan Lane, Bob Fosse, and so many, many more. We are very excited to have all of you lift up your head Wipe off your mascara and say hello to the wonderful <laughs> Lee Wilkoff. See hello. what I did there? Hello, hello. Lee. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was sick last week and I'm all better. So oh, I'm lucky really us. happy to be out on hitting the streets. Good. Well, you look fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't miss anything last weekend. It was kind no, of no, snowy no, 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 out. No. Yeah, yeah. So, Lee, we're going to start right at the beginning with you. Where did you grow up? Grew up in Canton, Ohio. Mm. Uh... It was a it was a, a, a nice place to grow up. There's actually on Facebook, Canton was a great place to grow up. However, maybe I shouldn't say it, but lately uh, I've seen like three or four lists: ten worst places to live in the United <laughs> States. Can, Canton's on all of them. Why? I, it just the the, uh, the industry left. It was a big steel. It was center, a steel right? center. My family was in the steel business. Iron and steel. My father irons. My mother steals. Um, uh, um. Oh. have to always have to do that joke. Uh, my dad was in the steel business, and not because his business went away, but the, all the industry went away, and uh, I don't know what happened. I, I go back, and it's. 
I love Canton, so I'm not. There's nothing to bad mouth. It's right. just that's where I'm from. Yes, okay. and I don't have any family there. A few cousins, mm-hmm. and no interest in going into the steel business. <laughs> no, there was a point. I was in New York for like a year, and it wasn't going that that well. And I met a young lady, and she came to see me in some little night. Uh, I forget what it was. You do you do one scene or you sing? Oh, like a showcase. Yes, thing. a showcase thing. I forget. I forget that it had a specific name. And she came and the, and I got a lot of laughs. And she said, "I don't like people laughing at you, <laughs> and you should not be an actor." And I was going to leave and go home and work in the oh, steel business. Goodness. And thank God, Whoa. Uh, at our engagement party uh, in the bedroom when we were taking a rest, <laughs> she said. I don't want to marry you. So thank God she didn't marry me. Thank you, Lori. Wow. And I stayed in show business. <laughs> that is, and I didn't go in the steel you, business. Thank you, indeed. And my brothers ran the business, and the business doesn't exist anymore. And, and growing up <sighs> in Canton, were you introduced to the arts at any point? Uh, the Jewish Community Center was was like the center of it for, okay. for, for us kids. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it the other day. There was a woman there who, uh, she's still alive, she's in her 90s, her name was Betty Perlman, and she saw something in me and put me in shows, mm. and I did some shows there. It's like, you know, Pincus the Peddler in <laughs> Hanukkahville, and, uh, and uh, I played Pincus the Peddler. Which and... will be an encore next season, so keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> Pincus had a happy Hanukkah, and we hope you have one, too. Set your standards early in life. Then I went to college. <laughs> I went to Temple University with no idea what I was going to do, maybe be a social worker. Oh, I wanted to go to a school in a big city, and I didn't get into Columbia, and I wanted mm-hmm. to move here. Mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to move to New York, not to be an actor, never. Just New York. I just knew New York. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would tell people I was from Brooklyn, <laughs> just out of nowhere. You know, <laughs> I may be seeing the Bowery Boys or something. <laughs> and I didn't get into any schools in, in uh, New York, so I went to Temple, because my grandparents were lived in Philly when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. The temple, unbeknownst to me, had a great theater department. I did not wander into that. Mm. And I did not like school there because it was basically a commuter school. Everybody went home at night. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I transferred to a school where I had friends, which was the University of Cincinnati. Mm. Uh My sophomore year at the University of Cincinnati, some guy I knew said he was going over to the theater department. It was not CCM. They, they were, there were two separate mm-hmm. schools. There was the theater department and CCM. And uh, he said, I'm auditioning for a one-act play. And I went, hmm, maybe I will too. And I got into one-act play, and I never, I never left the theater department. I never you left. The the end of my, and there was mm-hmm. a particular professor that took me under his wing, and I just enjoyed it, and I enjoyed not only doing it, and, and I didn't get a lot of training there, but clearly I had a facility for it, mm-hmm. and it was, I loved the, and today, to, to this day, the thing that I love most is the family aspect of doing a show. And that was my family, people in the theater department. And I did do one show at CCM. They let us come over and audition for Three Penny Opera. Oh. It was incredibly risque. And, uh, but I got in it. I sang, uh, what did I sing? Wichita Lineman oh. <laughs> was my audition piece. And it was, directed by my, it was directed by my professor from, they brought him over. 
and it was it was it was very risque for 1973. And uh, let's see who was in it. Tom Viola was in it. Oh my god! Oh, Steve Berger was in it. Do you know who Steve is? Yeah, this he, is a group. Uh, well, kids at CCM. Um, right. Uh, I'm sure other people know what's her name. She had just left to do Candide. Maureen Rita. Maureen Brennan. Oh, yeah? And a couple other people. And one other, I'm going to do one, one, one other little anecdote. There was a young lady that was in school there who I was, like, enamored with. Her name was Marianne Quatman. She did not graduate. And she moved to New York before she graduated from CCM. She was beautiful and wildly talented. She And I chased her to New York. And... Uh, <laughs> She was doing a show called Jers. She was touring high schools in New Jersey. They were doing little sketches. Jers, Jers, J E R Z, J E R Z, Jers, and they were doing sketches and songs for high school kids about the state of New Jersey. And she said, "There's this amazing young man in the show. His name is Joseph Lane. It was Nathan. Oh, <laughs> before he changed his name." And that's when I met Nathan in 1972, and he was like, I don't know, 15 or 16. So that's my anecdote. Oh, wow. I graduated from UC. <laughs> I moved here. It took a while for things to get rolling. Yeah. And uh, I, w I went back home after my first year, and I worked at the Canal Fulton Dinner Theater oh. with the promise of getting my equity card. Uh-huh. And they were lying. <laughs> and I quit. And then I moved to Cleveland for a year and did improv with this company called the Common Sense Novelty Company. And that was huh. really good training. And then I did outdoor drama. Called, do you know what outdoor drama is? Big, big historical like, pageants like Trail of Tears or Tecumseh or this one. Oh, with, the one that was so in, like uh, you dress up like yes, I was Simon Gertie, White Savage. <laughs> I did not dress up. Oh, my, my wife did Tecumseh. She played a young Indian princess. Uh, she did Tecumseh down the road in Chillicothe, Ohio, <laughs> and I got my equity card and I came back to New York, and that's when things started to roll. And I would pick up the trades. I didn't have an agent yet. What were the trades? Just so backstage. Yep. And show business. Leo Schulz show business. That's <laughs> where the first time I saw no pay nudity required. Oh. That was often, you know, if you didn't have an agent, you'd go Thursday mornings to the to the to the <coughs> where they sell newspapers. You'd pick up backstage. You'd circle the places you're gonna go. So this is before, no, I didn't have an agent yet, so I still was using backstage. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I saw that reference. So I did a play. I finally, I started working a little. I did a, a play at Playwrights Horizons. Glance of. Glance of a yeah. Landscape. Uh, that's when Bob Moss was running it, and I did something at George Street, and finally got cast in this kind of improv-based... We would do improvs. Then a guy named Jeffrey Sweet, who's still oh. around, a oh, fine yeah. playwright, oh, yeah. would transcribe the pieces. And certain people wrote music. Among them, a man by the name of Alan Menken and Skip Kennan. And I forget his name. I don't think he writes anymore. This is the present tense? The present tense. I did the present tense. The interesting anecdote about the present tense was the producer of the present tense was... Uh, Roger Ailes. Oh, what? Yeah, he was also he was producing and he was also uh, <laughs> training 
the director of the present tense worked <coughs> for Roger, and he was helping Roger train politicians to be like TV savvy. And on the side, wow. Roger wow. was producing. And he actually wanted to, uh, and now that he's passed away, I can say this, and I love, I, I, I shouldn't say this because I'll be beaten on the street. I liked him. He was a different guy. Well, yeah, this is course. a long was, time no, ago. He was very sweet ago, to me. Yeah. I've spoken to people that knew him at the beginning, yeah, per se, and said he was, he was not at all. He was, a, he was a good guy. He was, you know, a savvy businessman. He wanted to sign me for like eight years at 40%, and I said no. But meanwhile, <laughs> I got a lot of attention. I got great reviews. I kind of like emerged mm-hmm. for yep. one reason or another. I dressed up like a Hasidic Jew and played the banjo. <laughs> There's a further story about that. I did that same thing on the gong show, which I'll tell you about. <laughs> and one night, because the reviews were strong for me, you and an maybe OB he award. was in town. Yeah. Well, I won an OB and I got mm-hmm. nominated for a drama desk. Yeah. But Norman Lear, I mean, it only ran a month. Norman huh. Lear came to see wow. the show. And he flew me out to California, which I have to say, was my that was that was the dream to go to California. I thought my career or my you know, I believe everybody has like not everybody, not everybody is as neurotic as me. Has their like <laughs> their this is what I this is my dream. Mm. This is what's gonna make me a star mm. if that's what they're into. And I thought my thing was gonna be sitcoms. Yeah. So I went out, Norman Lear, and I auditioned for Something I forget the name of it. I didn't get it, but I went. Well, my destiny. Norman Lear wanted me, and I had an uncle that had a deli, sixty miles outside of uh, Los Angeles in Oxnard, California, a Jewish uh, deli. I'm from Thousand Oaks. A Jewish deli called Our Gang Deli at the Esplanade, <laughs> and I worked for him, lived with him. And by this time, I got an agent, and there was an agency. They had an office on the West Coast. I would work for him, and when I had an audition, drive 60 miles into town. I gave myself six months. I said, first of all, I'm not going to, you know, people don't, even if my uncle wants me at the hell out of his house after six months, I'm going to get the hell out of here, and then I'll leave. I'll go back to New York. Six months, we got to six months, like five months and three weeks. And I said, I'm not leaving without doing something. Mm. Mm. So I dressed up like a Hasidic Jew from the present tense. And I sang this song called Possum Pie. And uh, (laughs) the lyrics were, Possum's got a taste all its own, not like coon or pussy. A piece right now would hit the spot, warm the cockles of my tushy. And they said, they actually, after rehearsal, they said, don't say pussy, don't say tushy, okay? I said, okay, possum's got a taste all its own, never soft or mushy, a piece right now would hit the spot. Oh, they, I, it was okay to say tushy, but okay. not, puss, not, yeah, pussy. not pussy. Okay, so the thing on the gong show, <laughs> unbeknownst to a lot of people, you go on the gong show, you get 45 free seconds, and then after 45 seconds, they are free to gong you. Mm. So I walked out. Dressed up like a Hasidic Jew. I felt like I was like amongst, it was Kristallnacht. The way people went, they went berserk. I knew that I was going to get gonged. They hated me so much. So I said, pardon my language, I said to myself, fuck it. I'm going to say pussy on TV. Okay, so I sang the lyrics. 
of course, immediately got gonged. There was this woman named J.P. Morgan yeah. who always had some sort of dirty quip. Yeah. And she said he was singing about possum, but he was thinking about beaver. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that got on, but I think they blipped pussy. Okay, so <laughs> a week later, the week I was going to leave, I got offered two pilots in one day. Oh my! You can't God. do that anymore because now you have to go to the network and you have to like make the, a deal, and you could never get two pilots in one day. That would be impossible. It's just the system doesn't work that way. One was for Norman Lear, mm-hmm. and one was a serious drama called Web, which was loosely based on the movie Network. Mm-hmm. It was it was produced by the woman that Faye Dunaway's character was based on in Network, oh. and I took the serious thing, and I didn't take the Norman Lear show. It was called Web, W-E-B. We were the fourth network, like NBC, CBS, Mm. Web. We were the first show canceled that season, and Norman Lear's show was canceled the next day. So I didn't make such a, you know. And then I decided, well, I'm working, and I I was playing lots of, like, my character in Web was like, I had a big bushy hair. My hair was kind of bushy, and I wore bow ties. I vowed I would never wear a bow tie again, and I would drop. I would come into Mr. Oh, that's the next show. Uh, Webb, I'd wear a bow tie. And I was based loosely on uh, he ran the network, and he hated my character. I forget his name. He ran NBC for a while. I forget his name. Anyhow, that got canceled. I figured I'll stick around. The next thing I got was a show called Delta House, based on the movie Animal House. Oh, short-lived. Then I started recurring on Heart to Heart. And I was working, playing nerds. So it worked. Not that satisfying, but working. I was out there about two years, and I get a phone call from this woman that I knew from when I had lived here, and she said, we're doing a musical at the WPA called Little Shop of Horrors. Now, when I grew up in Canton, Ohio, every Friday night, there was a guy named Goulardi, Anybody hear of Goulardi? Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, the director? His movies yeah. are Goulardi films. His father was Ernie Anderson. Oh. And his dad would dress up outrageously and have the horror movie that's on Friday nights on the Cleveland oh. affiliate. Okay. Goulardi. And he was insane. And he was hilarious. And we loved him. And he showed horror movies. And adolescent boys, we'd sleep over at each other's houses and we'd watch Goulardi. Because yeah. he was like, I'm sure on acid. <laughs> I hope I don't get sued. And he was lighting firecrackers, and he was inserting himself. He could do some sort of magic with the TV, and he'd be running through the screen as the movie was playing. But one movie was played probably three times a year, the original Little Shop of Horrors. Uh. So I was incredibly familiar with it, and we loved it because uh. it was nuts. I don't know if you know this, but it was shot in two days. I had heard that. Shot in two days. So there was a, uh, there was a quality to it, which was crazy. Like, there's a scene in it where Jack Nicholson plays the, the, the uh, patient at the dentist, and the set falls over, and the scene is over. Because <laughs> they didn't want to reshoot it. Anyhow, I knew it. And so this woman, Darlene Kaplan, she calls me. She, she says, the WPA is doing this musical based on this movie. And I said, well, I know this movie. I love this movie. Okay, can you fly yourself in? You'll be auditioning for the role of the dentist. The dentist. At that point, I was trying something new. I was wearing a toupee. Oh. Lee Wilkoff was trying to transition from nerd to 
God knows what. <laughs> I walk into the I walk into the audition. Alan Menken, who I knew from the present, the present tense, tense, he takes a look at me and he starts laughing. Because uh-uh. I look ridiculous. I'm wearing a toupee. You understand. <laughs> I understand. All too well. I do. And I tear it off. And Howard Ashman, may he rest in peace, goes, Well, you're you're a Seymour. Okay, so I audition. I don't remember what I sang. I think I sang Smile. Oh. Because I really, you know, hadn't done musicals, but I knew that song. That was like in my pocket. Mm. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. Still my wife's favorite song. And so I got a call back. I'm staying at a friend's house. You have a call back tomorrow. And I went back. And... uh, uh, unbeknownst to me, it was between myself and Nathan Lane for the role of Seymour. And Howard had this beautiful, cute, darling assistant. And uh, I didn't know this then, but she convinced him to cast me instead of Nathan for one reason or another. And Howard's assistant is named Connie Grapp- was named Connie Grappo, still named Connie Grappo. And she- We've been married now for 35 years. <laughs> and Connie uh, ultimately uh, directed, when Howard stopped, Howard directed uh, the original at the WPA, then Off-Broadway, then Los Angeles, then London. And then Connie took over and directed yeah. it all over the world. Right. Now, Little Shop opened at the WPA. I remember like two weeks before, I'm like running around to casting directors, handing them flyers, and they're going, what the heck? the hell is this? And then three weeks later, they're begging, begging for tickets. It was, I'll never, I'll never, well, things like this don't happen that often anymore, but nothing like this had ever happened to me and never happened since. It was so, the hot, it only sat 99 people and everybody wanted a ticket. It was like the word on the street. I don't even know if the reviews had come out. And every night you'd go and you'd see in the audience of this tiny little schleppy theater, you'd see, I remember Tommy Toon and Liza. I'm dropping names. So, no, it um, was reality. Of and it was really a hot show. And it was uh, a difficult birth. You know, it was difficult. So let's talk a little bit about Ooh, that. Were, you know, there are personalities involved and, and just a show and... And uh, Ellen Green uh, is is a perfectionist, and I was kind of at sea. And there actually came to a point where I think, I mean, Connie tells me, my wife uh, tells me, she, I mean, I know that this is true. I just didn't, I'd, I'd never done a musical, and I was a little like, I wasn't giving Howard what he needed. And he wasn't able to communicate. Mm. Mm. I mean, I... I as much as I love Howard and miss Howard, I think Howard's greatest gift was his writing yes. mm-hmm. and not necessarily his directing. And I need a very strong hand, and I wasn't getting that. And they were thinking of replacing me. So I sensed that, and I made a call to this cute assistant director. Am I going to get in trouble for this? calling her a cute assistant director. You're, you're married She's to my her. Wife. She's your wife. It's fine. The same day, Howard said to, to Connie, I need you to help Lee. The same day I called her, yeah. he told her, please try to help him. And she helped me. She's a director. Right. And 
you know, we're dealing with, like, the plant, and we're dealing with... I mean, it wasn't just my bad acting that was the problem. There was all sorts of, like, you got this big frickin' plant, which has now been perfected, you know, but this was in a very... very new, yeah. Very new. And it all worked out. We were, like, there was... The first time we did the show, we were we were the people that were behind the plants, and we were wearing these things called root booties, <laughs> so they wouldn't see our feet. And it was a difficult birth. And then it opened to, you know, ecstatic, ecstatic, particularly for Ellen, you know, and it was, and deservedly so. And then everybody wanted to move it here and there, and Howard was wise in his wisdom, moved it off-Broadway. Yeah, very because, smart. Uh, you know, it's been done on Broadway, and I didn't see that production, but I don't think Broadway's the place for it. It's, an in, it's, it's not a tiny show, but it's not a big... Yeah. You got, it's about scale. Yeah. You know, if you're in the back of a big Broadway musical house the, and the plant looks like the size of a, a, you know, a peanut... It doesn't work. Right? Yeah. So anyhow, so the show was a big hit. And then I moved back to L.A. Ah. Uh. When it was all over. I kept chasing L.A. And we stayed there for a while. Uh, lots of stuff happened in between. I think I did. Had I done Broadway yet? No. Little Shop was 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my first Broadway show was when we were living in L.A. There was an L.A. production of Sweet, Sweet Charity. Charity. Yeah. yeah. Which I had the great... Great, amazing, not supposed to have happened, incredible fortune to work with, and I might start crying, Bob Fosse yeah. and, and Gwen mm. Verdon. This, the thing with, I, 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 I don't think anybody's going to sue me, Bob, there was another man directing it, and Bob would come in and look at it, and after the first week... That man that was directing it was became the guy that brought Bob coffee. Bob huh. never left. And that was, you know, Little Shop is like a gift, but getting to work with Bob Fossey, and then he brought Gwen in to work with Chris Chadman. May he rest in peace. I think he was the choreographer, but then he became kind of Gwen's, like, they, were, they, they co-choreographed it. Not that I had that much dancing. Although for, like, in Los Angeles and in San Francisco, I was in the rhythm. rhythm. Oh, yeah? I was mm. in the rhythm of life. So I can say I was a Bob Fosse dancer. <laughs> However, when it came into New York, he came up to me, he said, you're not doing it. No, uh, <laughs> and I had a very nice, I had a lovely relationship with him. He was very shy. Mm. You know, he was way more interested Let's be, let's, oh, let's, yes. And yep. the women than the men. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, we've heard. And the women loved him, and he was, I loved him. And, and I, I feel like I've worked with two, and they're going to be a little be insulted, but I've worked with two geniuses. I've had the, I've had the, I've, I have the gift of being able to work with, in my career, mm-hmm. with Bob Fosse and Steve Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Steven Sondheim. Steve. I think it's okay. I can call him Steve. I've worked with him a couple times. And the thing about both of them, the interesting thing about both of them was like with Bob, who was not only an amazing, like he really was a good director. Mm-hmm. But when I would watch his choreography, it's like he knew what every step had meaning. It had, it had, one, each step had had a depth to it that he understood and he could communicate, and that's why his dances were so, so full. Mm. 
And I watched that, and I'd never seen anything like that, the knowledge that he had of what he was doing. Nothing was, nothing was random, nothing, not a breath, not a movement. And the same with Steve Sondheim. Every note, <coughs> is, it's just not a, it's, no note is random. Right. We're going to jump back to Little Shop for a okay. second, if that's okay. Did the show change a lot in terms of text and songs before it finally opened? Mm. I know that you said you had some difficulty with the puppets and the scenery and all that fun stuff. You know, only one thing, I can only remember one thing. There was a song called We'll Have Tomorrow. Uh, don't you be frightened, don't be... And I, I, it was my song. I'll get us out of this mess that I made. Don't ask questions, tonight is touch and go. Uh, no one ever got hurt by what they don't know. We'll have tomorrow. Trust me, it's true. We'll have tomorrow. We'll get through. Beautiful song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful song. But it stopped the show dead. Mm. I'm singing it to Ellen as I'm putting her in the plant. And they came up to me, I don't know, like even it was early. Two weeks they knew. They knew two weeks in. And Howard said, we're taking this song away. We're cutting this song. Mm. It's a beautiful song. I wasn't that bummed out. I had so much to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was I had suddenly Seymour. I mean, I didn't care. And I didn't take it personally. And that's the only thing I can remember that changed. Mm. No. It did not change a lot. I got to sing that. I got to sing it. I mean, unfortunate the circumstances. I sang that at Howard's memorial. Oh. But uh no. No, it did not. Sign- I, somebody could come. If you had maybe Alan or somebody else on, they might go, we changed everything. But I don't remember <laughs> them changing almost anything. It was beautifully written. No. I'm curious. What was uh, So you have a Tony nomination for Kiss Me, Kate. Mm-hmm. What was that rehearsal process like with the great Michael Blakemore? We just actually talked to Kathleen Marshall yesterday. Oh, I love Kathy Marshall. She's lovely. I love her. I had such a crush on her. Mm-hmm. I met Kathy Marshall. Uh, she assisted her brother Rob. Another, another, another. Oh man, what a talented family! But Robbie choreographed that uh, "She Loves Me" that I did. Yes, and he was wonderful. And I met Kathy she on, that. on that. Right? Yes, and. Um, what was that process like? Interesting thing about that show. So I go, uh, that was a very, that was a script that was impossible to get. Something about the rights. I never read it. I never read wow. it before I went in. I just had sides. And people would say to me, what, what's going on? I said, I'm auditioning to play one of the gangsters in Kiss Me, Kate. And they go, oh, oh, those parts are so great. And I kind of could tell, but out of context, I couldn't really tell. And I knew I had brush up your Shakespeare, but I didn't know how good a number that was going to be because that was Kathy. Kathy oh. just choreographed the shit out of it. And it's also a, it's an amazing number and just where it's placed in the show. Um, you that, she choreographed that number like is, you know, every single bit of it had business. that you Every that single you bit of it. Um, I'm digressing a little. So no? we... When I have to do choreography, uh, I am not. I am an actor who can sing. 
I am not an actor who can dance. <laughs> I don't even think I'm an actor who moves well. <laughs> but I can learn almost anything. Okay. You know, I'm not going to be, uh, I don't know if you saw, like, uh, the last thing I did on Broadway was... Uh, Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do the tap dance number. But if I have to move, I'll move. Right. Anyhow, but the first day of anything that is choreographed is very difficult for me. And the first day of choreographing uh, Brush Up Your Shakespeare, I believe I cried. It brought me to tears. I was so frustrated. And I say to myself, I'll never learn it. But I always learn it, okay? (laughs) Yep. And I went to get my, like, fitting that same day later in the afternoon. And the wardrobe people, the people that were fitting me, they went... I heard you were crying today at rehearsal. I said, where the hell did you hear that? They said, there was an actor in here who said you were crying during rehearsal. I went to rehearsal the next day. I said, let's, let's keep what happens in the rehearsal room in the rehearsal room. But I was, I said it in a more angry way. Yeah. Anyhow, choreography for me is very difficult, but if someone's patient with me, I get it, and I and I eventually got it. I thought that was like, and Kathy knew that I'm not a great, you know, I, I can't do a lot, but she, because I had worked with her before, tailored it to my mm-hmm. skills. And Michael Mulherin, I'm not sure he's a great dancer. He may be, but she kept it to a certain, you know, uh, parameters, and I think that's why the number, there was a simplicity to it, but it was, t- you know, to to the... As you said, there was not a there was not a spare moment of right. ography. Right, yeah, words because it's yeah, such a word song was, to begin with. So that was like, again another gift. I mean, to get to be able to do that number and where it's placed in the show and to play those parts. My God, you walk on stage, almost everything that comes out of your mouth is hilarious. Right, everything's a punch. And oh, so so I didn't know. People would say to me, "You what the." You're, you're auditioning for, you have no idea what great parts these are, and I still didn't know. And by the grace of God, and there were a lot of guys, I remember a lot of guys auditioning for those two roles, and every one of them had either done it before or knew what mm-hmm. great parts they are, and I got it. And then I finally saw a script, and I went, oh, my God. These parts are amazing. I mean, I didn't see the script till like a few days before rehearsal. Oh my! And it was uh, Michael Blankmore. He just he he just spoon fed me, and maybe maybe everybody else. I mean, I wasn't paying that close of attention to other people. I'm a little self involved when I'm doing a show, and then and it all came together. It was a, again a difficult birth. I remember Michael Barres. I don't know if you saw the show. He climbed. Oh yes. The, oh yeah. He like Acrobatic. screwed up his ankle like two days before first preview, and everybody thought we were gonna have to cut that for a while. And it was, but it was you know at. Like with Little Shop, for some reason, I I was called the spine. Mm. I was like somebody, not every show that, I, that one does, somebody emerges and they are right. like the leader. Right. Yes. Okay? The, the, the psychological or the, and I, for some reason, 
Ron Taylor, who was the original voice of Audrey Two. He's passed away. Wonderful man. He called me the spine. That's how he spoke. <laughs> and and Kiss Me Kate, it was it was Stokes. Yeah. And when that happens, that kind of like spreads out into the house. And when somebody has the integrity that he has, it's infecting. It infects everybody. Mm. Unless there's like there was a couple like schmucks that was right. like but there always are. <laughs> with a cast that big. Right. But generally that was a cast that everybody took their cue from him. Mm. And he was like, he came the first day and he blessed the th- theater with sage. It was very spiritual. And Michael Blakemore is a man that you just kind of like, you, 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 I would never argue with him. I, I knew he was always right. <laughs> and it, you know, to say it paid off to get a Tony nomination is, yeah. a, is a gift. Is a is a you know I'm I'm this I'm a person and I'm and I'm not somebody that's against awards. It's a little weird that we're in a business where you you know you're competing with another mm-hmm. actor, but I am so proud of of the, the company that I'm in. Yeah. I have yeah. I have a great uh, I'm. I'm really glad <laughs> that I've been nominated for Tony. It means yeah. a really a lot to me. It does. It means a great deal to me. And the performance was brilliant. Yeah. And I want to, you know, Kevin and I were talking about this with Chip, um, the boys from Syracuse, which was something that you, I didn't know you had seen I loved it. it. Yeah, oh. I saw it too. And you I did? It. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Did you? What about you? <laughs> it was, it was it, you know, I don't want to. There were people that, like, there were some people, and I'm not going to say who the people are, but there were people that whenever, that was a show where Chip is very inventive. Now, Chip, uh, Chip, Mm. Chip and I, have we done other stuff? We've known each other for years. I think that's the first thing. The weird thing is we were playing twins. I mean, I probably outweigh him. Whatever he weighs, I weigh three times more. (laughs) Uh, But people bought that we were twins. There were people that whenever we would try something new that that I'm telling you, I am telling you this with assurance, it was funny. We would try stuff, Chip and I, or other actors, and we would get shot down every time. Uh. And it was a new book that should have been left alone, and it was frustrating. Yeah. It was a frustrating production. It was frustrating. It's one of my favorite scores. So I, I understand there was an encore before we did it, yeah. and they did it with the they didn't touch anything, and yeah. I heard it was wonderful. Yeah. And ours, I don't think it was, but you liked it, so it was great. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm a fan of the score. I, mm-hmm. I went into it loving the score. I we were so happy to see the score come back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just uh-huh. it's so good. We don't I think it should it be done again. I think it, oh, it I deserves another shot. We did not do it justice. And I don't want to I get hurt that. anybody's feelings. No, no, no. I totally get that. And I take, I'll take equal responsibility for it not working as anybody else. But you were brilliant, so I'm, I, I'm going to say to you, Thank you. that you're I not responsible. With, I had a number with Tony DeBono. Yes. And that was just, that was divine. And one night, one night, I don't remember the song. I don't even remember the name of the song. I, here, I think I did the song like this. I, 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 I made up non-word. I made up lyrics 
that were not words. And then I said, right before I started the next verse, I said, I'm going to get this verse right. And the audience went nuts. (laughs) And that's the kind of stuff that if we'd have kept stuff like that in, if that would have happened in rehearsal, and then we kept that in, that could have been funny. But if something like that happened in rehearsal, they go, no, no, even though that was a complete cock up, as they say. That's really interesting. I wonder if that, that comes out of insecurity in the, yeah. in the rehearsal room, right from, from a director and choreography point of view. I think it was just I'll one say of it. Though, right? I, just, I get it. Let me ask. Not one of my favorites. That's okay. Well, we enjoyed it. Thank you were you. great. Thank you so, so thank much. you for suffering so we thank could have you. a nice evening. Um, let's talk a little bit about your relationship. It's gone on now for years with Nathan Lane since he was 15. I think he was 15. In the great show Jurors. Right. And then, then our paths didn't cross. And then uh, I did the, I did, as I said, I did the, uh, 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 the present tense. Mm-hmm. And I remember Nathan being around once in a while, and he was, he he was like, "Who's this guy, Lee Wilkoff? Mm. The tables have turned, my friends. The tables have turned." <laughs> oh. And then Little Shop, and I was not aware of that story. And then Nathan uh, got, uh, I think, with George C. Scott. I forget the name of the show. And oh, then Nathan started to take off. And somebody, somebody told me this story. If Nathan hears this, he will call me and he will say, I never did that. I don't believe it. I shouldn't even say it. Somebody said he had a picture of me that he would throw darts at. But this was like when I was doing the present tense. <laughs> now I have, like, I shoot guns at his picture. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. So Nathan and I, our paths crossed over the years. I remember running into him when I lived in, even in L.A. He was part of a, he, you know, he was part of a comedy team, Stack and Lane. Yes. And he was on like the Merv Griffin show and they got cut off the Merv Griffin show. And we, oh, I remember wow. having dinner with him and Pat Stack at Musso and Frank. So we were, we were, we Love were friendly. We were friendly. We were not now we're friends. Yeah. We were friendly. We were casual friends. Jeez, when did we get close? I think my first show with him was Mislansky Zelinsky. Do you know that show? Yes. Yeah. Tell us. Mislansky Zelinsky or Schmucks. That's by the great, the great Robbie Bates, John Robin Bates. We oh, did yes, that at Manhattan Theater yes. Club. Mislansky, was Nathan Mislansky? Yeah, and Zelinsky was uh, Louie. Stadlin, oh. and I played Nathan's lawyer, and we shared a dressing room, like all of us, and uh, I think that's where you get really closer with people, yeah. and Nathan, we got along, and I remember going to like to the Red Eye Grill and dr- drinking Cosmopolitans with him and just, you know, just falling in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. I just love him. It's it's, it's, you know, I've watched Nathan's career skyrocket, and I'm going to be, like, at my most maudlin, and sometimes it's been hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But nobody, nobody deserves it more. I think he's brilliant, and he's been so generous to me. I'm trying to think. He has literally, like, said to somebody, cast him. I was in the Nance. Well, I did the workshop of the Nance, and, and then I was offered the Nance. I wouldn't have been in, offered the Nance if it wouldn't have been for Nathan, and wisely I uh, decided I would do 
uh, uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> that was a joke, <laughs> but I did do breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's rather than the Nance. And then Nathan, because of Nathan, I did um, the Odd Couple. Oh right, yeah. which was that was him and Roderick and you. Yeah, that was special. Right. <laughs> and uh, then I got to work at Carnegie Hall. I did. They did. We did one night a Guys and Dolls uh, concert, and he was responsible for that. So I mean, talk about generous. Mm. Do we go out and have dinner every week? No. Do we share texts pretty often? And then. I read Nathan was, and, and uh, this is when we kind of really, uh, well, it's always been gelled. Nathan, uh, I read that he was doing The Iceman Cometh in Chicago, and I called him up. I said, you're doing it. I've always wanted to do it. What part do you want to play? I should have read it before I said the part I wanted to play. <laughs> I played um, Hugo Kalmar. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the play. You know, it's almost five hours yeah, long, yeah. and my character for four hours and 40 minutes is bent over a table asleep. So my shoulders and back were fucked up for oh about a year. But I got to do the the Iceman Cometh, which is like one of the another great gift. So while we were in Chicago, it's a five hour play. And uh, I we all rested all day. I thought I'm gonna see Chicago and I'd go I'm not going to get out of this hotel room. I have to go do a five-hour show tonight. Mm -hmm. So I open up my computer, and I dust it off. No pain nudity. Mm. Now, no pain nudity, and Nathan knows this, was written originally. There was an actor named Maury Chaikin. Do you know who Maury Chaikin is? I do not. Uh, if you saw him, you'd know him. He was in a lot of movies, and he was a big, husky, American-Canadian actor. And he died. And there was this role of Herschel that was written for Maury. And I dusted off, because uh, I didn't have much to do in Chicago, and I said, I have this script. I read it, and it, I polished it. I'd written it with another young man. He did most of the writing. We wrote it together. When, when, when did you start, just side note, when did you start on, on Oh, my God, I probably wrote it about eight years ago we okay. wrote it. Wow. But it had been sitting on my computer for three years gotcha. or so. And I said to Nathan, I think this is good. Would you read it? And he said, yeah, I'll read it. And um, he read it, and I thought, you know, I'll hear from Nathan in six months. He's busy. He's playing hickey. He's, he's such a good guy. He read it the day I sent it to him, and he said, this is good. I said, if I can get this made, will you do it? And that was it. Oh, wow. And Whoa. once Nathan committed to it, the ball started to roll. It was a very slow rolling ball. But without Nathan, I would have never got the movie made. And have you both seen it? Not oh, yet. yes. Oh, you have. oh, I have, yeah. I mean, Nathan is brilliant. Yeah. And he's doing stuff in it that you've never seen him do. Yeah. You should, you yeah. should see Oh, yeah, definitely. Not only for Nathan, not only for the, seeing the movie. Nathan's brilliant, and, and without Nathan, that movie would have never been made. Well, a roster of, of actors in it, too. The, yeah, I, mean, I got great, I got great I, actors. The, only two people auditioned. Everybody else, it was an <clears throat> offer. Who you knew? There, yeah. I don't think there is a movie out there that better captures 
what it's like to be a working actor in New York City. Thank you. I really, I really don't. And I think I had mentioned that when we, had, when we had talked about it yeah. a while back. If you've never seen No Pay Nudity, it is available on iTunes right now. It's on iTunes, if, if you don't mind me Please, interrupting. Please, p- no. It's on Amazon. Yep. And it is on, if you have the Stars Network, you can okay. either get it on demand or then it's on eight, you know, it's, it's also on part of their roster. But it is on iTunes, and it is on, and uh, it is available. You know, it's funny. I was saying to um, a panel a couple of weeks ago, there were two movies that came out that I think every person who is thinking about a career in this business should watch. One is uh, The Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened, the Merrily documentary. But the second one is No Pay Nudity. Thanks. Seriously, it's really that good. So then why did you want to, you wrote it, but why did you want to direct it? You had a direct it with a young. Right? I did direct it. Uh, I wrote it with a young man named Ethan Sandler, a wonderful actor and uh, writer. Uh, he's married to a brilliant actress named Catherine Hahn. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, yeah, yes. she's great. I met them at Williamstown. We wrote it together. Well, I sent him the treatment. I, I wrote a story. It must have been during a time where I was. It was during a time where I was, a, you know, a slow time and. And I sent it to him, and I said, "We'll write this together. This is this is common knowledge, even though it's a little odd. And we will co-direct it, and I will be in it, and you will direct the parts when I'm in it. I will play the lead, because I wanted to be the lead in a movie, and I had the hubris to think that I also could direct it. Then, uh, I don't know. I, I decided, a." If I'm going to direct a movie, I can't. I cannot split the focus. I cannot act, and I don't know that I can even carry a movie. So I'm not going to be in it. And I've always wanted to try to direct a movie. And Ethan, I said to him, I don't think we can co-direct this. Especially, I don't. We don't need to now that I'm not going to be in. I'm not going to be in it. So I don't need your third eye. You get the writing credit. I'll get the directing credit, and I'm going to direct it. Mm. I always wanted to try it, and even if I wanted to do it, the people that would finally came through to finance it, they wanted a name for the lead, and we ultimately got Gabriel Byrne, mm. the wonderful Gabriel Byrne. So uh, originally I was going to co-direct it and be the lead. I don't think it would be the same movie. Yeah. Gabriel's a leading man. I'm a character guy. I don't think I would have. I know that I would not have done as well, uh, given this, as beautiful performance as he did. Uh, it would have been a different movie. And um, I had my hands full. If I would, if I would have also been in it, I would have cracked up. Mm. But doing it, directing it, literally, and I, and I'm saying this, I had to give. Uh, there was an early scene in the movie a beautiful wonderful actress came in with a little bit different interpretation that I had seen in my head for one of the characters and I gave her like one sentence direction she took it that's the only direction I had to give Mm. and no, no one else I didn't have to direct anybody that I had to like a few people like were insecure, and there was one actor that I would need to call at home at night, and there was Gabriel liked to talk a lot, but he was gonna he was gonna give me without yeah. that com- those conversations. Mm. He just liked to talk, 
We didn't have a lot of time to talk. It was shot very quickly. How long did it take to shoot? 24-day shoot. Oh, wow. It was pretty fast. And we had to cut a few scenes out. And then it got a little fakakt in, in editing. And it turned out pretty good. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there are people that put money in. And for a while, uh, I resisted their ideas. And uh, there was a little bit of an impasse. And then I said, these people gave me a lot of money. I, I should listen to them. Some of the things. Some of them we disagreed. But it turned out pretty good. There's a couple things I watch and I go, I wish this wasn't in it. But oh, for a first yeah. movie, uh, I'm very proud of it. My wife is in it. Mm. Yeah. My daughter is in it. My dog is in it. And I'm <laughs> in it. So my whole family's in it. I love it. Uh, you said not bad for a first movie. Does that mean there's a second? Would you do it again? I would love to do it again, but of this particular project, I did a Kickstarter campaign, which did not succeed. Okay. But that's a very stressful thing to do. That's 30 days of asking people and having your hat in your hand Mm -hmm. and begging people for money and being stressed out you're not going to get it. And then when you don't get it, you go, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Then some people came forward because of the Kickstarter campaign that were willing to give money, to invest their money. And I circled back to some of the Kickstarter people and asked for money. Not an easy thing for me to do. So, but I got the money, and at this point, I don't think this hurts or helps the movie. I still think people should see the movie. We haven't made our money back, and there's a good chance people go into making movies knowing that's rare when they get their investment back. Yes. I cannot, I don't have it in me to go ask people for money again. Mm. I have another screenplay. It's called Teenage Wasteband. It's about <laughs> growing up in Canton, Ohio. Um, when I was like 17, mm. there are people that, I have a young man in in California who is interested in producing it, but I said I'd be happy to direct it, but I am not asking another person ever again for another nickel. I can't do that. I don't have it in me. But if somebody came to me and said, do you have anything you want to direct? I do. Here's a million dollars. Thank you, and I'll direct it. What about play directing? Would that interest you at some point? It would interest me. I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how to approach that. But I'm thinking of maybe checking it out. Good. Once again, we encourage all of our listeners, no pay, nudity. No pay, comma, nudity. Yes, no pay, comma, nudity. Lee, oh, do you have any last minute questions before we do our wrap-up? Let me just say about no pay, nudity. There were people that wanted us to change the title. They hated it. Certain people hated it, and they thought it was, you know, it's very obscure. You go, what's the name of your movie? No Pay Nudity. What? All right, watch the movie, and you'll know what it means. Or when I was a young man in the trades, it used to say no pay, nudity required. Oh, okay, I get it. However, and I'm telling you, people wanted us to change it, people, money people, but we stood very firm on it. And there was an article last year, at the end of the year, and a Neil Genslinger, who I love, said it was the best titled movie of the year. He wrote that in the New York Times. It's a, so it it's is a pretty a, cool title. Bam. And I, 
that was Ethan Sandler, the writer's idea. It was originally called Lounge Act because it takes place in the Equity Lounge. Oh, my gosh. And he said, I like no pay nudity. And I went, for sure. <laughs> Even though Lounge Act is a little more accessible. Oh, but yeah. and it's, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> it's a great title, and it's one that you remember. So whoever told you that it wasn't a good title, they're incorrect. That's just my I don't opinion. think they. I don't think they said it wasn't a good title. They just... Hated the title. Okay. Well, Well, to hell with them, I say. But that's okay. Lee, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. This was really fun. Good day, Mr. Thomas. Good day, Mr. Schneider. Well, it has happened. We finally hit over 100 iTunes reviews, and we would like to thank each and every person who took the time to do so. Huzzah! Now, (laughs) we want to climb those charts even faster, and that is where you lovely folks who have not yet rated us come in. The process is very simple. On your podcast app, tap the search tab, enter our name behind the curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, tap the search key, tap our beautiful logo, tap the reviews, tap write a review, then tap your way into our hearts. (laughs) Tap your troubles away. away. That's nice, Rob. Once you are there, you can rate us from one star to five stars. Think of one star as Hervé (laughs) V... Rob, how do you say this name? Hervé Villechelle. I walked right into that one. Think of one star as Hervé Villages and Ima Sumac in Sideshow and five stars as front row seats to the opening night of Gypsy. But he kissed me. Yeah, he kissed me for the first time. I thought that was pretty good. We want to get good reviews, Rob. We want to get good reviews. Excuse me, Arthur Lawrence. <laughs> Excuse me for trying to liven up our commercial ads a little bit. Eight minute long commercial. I li- it's an infomercial at you this point. <laughs> I'm going to be like that lady that sells you the copper pots. Look at this. You can put 400 pounds of manure in it, and it slides right out. Then you can make an omelet. You got another line, Kevin. Got, got I'm a- waiting for you to say, plus you can leave your comment. Let oh, us know if you're liking what guests are like. Plus next. you can leave a comment to let us know what you are liking, <laughs> what you're not liking at this point, uh-huh. or what guests you'd like to hear next. So head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think of our little show. Speaking of little, I'll tell you a story about Charles Lawton later. Thanks, guys. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying The Quiet Part Out Loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.